Welcome to This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Rebecca Simmons, an associate professor of the practice of mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. Joining me is Grant, Sydney, and our newest members, Fran and Priya. All four are undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. Hey everyone, my name is Fran Romano. I am a junior from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, studying mechanical engineering and pursuing a certificate in innovation and entrepreneurship. Hi everyone, my name is Sydney Hunt and I use she, her pronouns. I am a sophomore at Duke studying electrical and computer engineering and computer science with a concentration in machine learning and a minor in gender, sexuality and feminist studies. I'm from Cornwall, New York. Hi everyone, I'm Grant Lopresti, I use he, him pronoun, and I'm a junior studying electrical and computer engineering as well as computer science. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Hey guys, my name is Priya Juarez. I am a sophomore, I use she, her pronouns. I'm planning to major in biomedical engineering and electrical computer engineering, and I am from the Houston, Texas area. We are very excited to start our third season of the program. In this episode, we are talking all about learning. We're gonna get three different perspectives, two from students with insights on experiences that they've had and some successes and failures with learning, and also an expert from Duke. We're excited to have you join us. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is your co-host Grant Lopresti, and next up I'll be speaking with Amanda Curtin-Soydon about her role as a Duke Learning Consultant. Enjoy! Hello everyone, I'm here with Amanda, a Learning Consultant from the ARC, and Amanda, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Thanks, Grant. Um, so yeah, I'm Amanda Curtin-Soydon. So I'm the Senior Learning Consultant at the ARC, and I'm also a researcher with the Office of Undergraduate Education. Fantastic. Um, will you first start out by just explaining what exactly the ARC is and what it means to be a learning consultant? Sure. So the ARC is Duke's undergraduate learning center. How I explain the ARC is if you think about learning in school, right, there's sort of two sides to a coin. The first side is all the content that you supposedly have to somehow ingest and just know and be able to apply it in some way, shape or form in exams, quizzes, labs, papers, etc. The other side of the coin, which doesn't necessarily get talked about as much, is how do you approach all of that, right? How does this land with you? Are you processing it? Are you gaining understanding from what you're doing? How are you monitoring your motivation? And so that's really where learning consultants can kind of be a great partner in thinking about you creating your system. But every system and every student is unique. You've probably had those moments where you've tried doing something that a friend did because it seems to work really well for them. Doesn't land for you. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just bad at math. It's probably because maybe that's not the way that you learn. And maybe you have different learning preferences. And so really, that's what we're here to do is kind of help you figure that out. That's awesome. I'll give a little bit of background here. I actually know Amanda because my freshman year, I was struggling. And much like she said, I was referred to the ARC. And Amanda helped me out. We were able to walk through very personal details about my schedule, about my life, about my preferences and learning. And it was a phenomenal resource to, to help me out in that nature. I'm hoping you can tell me about some maybe 
some more general strategies or some general learning advice for helping people find whatever works for them? Sure. So one of the big things with, you know, coming from high school to college is how your time changes. You know, in high school, your days are pretty structured. It's, it's a lot easier to get into a routine. But also, you know, you have a lot of people that are sort of keeping you on track and you don't necessarily have to put in as much effort to do that. So a lot of students kind of get used to a one size fits all strategy or don't really have to put in a lot of time and effort to do well. So I kind of see a lot of students in equal extremes, one being, well, I never really had to learn how to learn. So now I'm in this class and I'm like, I have no idea how to go about thinking about how to learn this stuff. Or I had to work really hard to get my A's and what I used in high school isn't working here. And that's really frustrating me. So what I usually do with students is kind of walk them through the aspects of what we could do, right? So the first thing that I talked about is the time factor. So time management, that is a phrase that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But when I think about time management, I think about it in sort of three buckets, if you will. First one being really your structure, your scaffolding, how you're building the walls of your management system, which is how are you tracking stuff, prioritizing stuff? How do you figure out what to prioritize? How much time are you spending on things? What is your time budget, right? How do you get balance? Because you do need to have some fun. What are you passionate about? And, and do you have a tendency to focus a lot of time in those areas, but not necessarily put the time into areas that need it because you just don't want to do it, but you have to do it because it's a prereq. So managing time can be just finding a good system that works for you. And that could be a combination of different kinds of calendars, incorporating phones, apps, you know, alarms, post-it notes, whiteboards. There's a lot of different ways to just manage your day, to manage your semester. And part of that is also knowing where your crunch weeks are. Figuring out a good system up front is something that really works well for every student, no matter what discipline you're in. So that's one thing. The second part of time management is sometimes I find a lot of engineering students come in feeling really stressed because they're literally working task to task and just don't have a lot of processing time. So being efficient with the time that you do have is another big thing. And that can involve strategy. Every strategy can be different depending on what the class is. So I might recommend strategy for chemistry, but that's not the strategy I'm going to recommend for, say, your writing one-on-one class. So that's the efficiency side of time management. And then the third part can be the more challenging one, which is really thinking about the behavioral parts of time. So managing motivation. How do you sort of work on your procrastination, right? If you're not somebody who's used to having to spend a lot of time working, but now you come from high school where, you know, doing some work the night before a test was fine, to college where, yeah, that's not going to work. How do you change your habits and your behavior? So that could be working on figuring out good sleep strategies, making sure you have balance. Like if you're somebody who really needed exercise to help release all those really good, all the really good chemicals in your brain that really make you feel focused and engaged, you need to make sure exercise is part of your routine. So that's one thing. Figuring out your time management system is huge. And then the other stuff, which could be very discipline specific, right? Which could be, I'm, I'm good in every class, but it's just this you know, organic chemistry class. 
And so that's where learning, talking to a learning consultant might just be a once-off. That could be a good strategy just to say, this is what I'm doing. Is there anything else maybe that I hadn't thought about? You know, we can really be a good partner in, in brainstorming on that. I want to focus for a second here on the sort of maybe the changes or new intricacies that have developed because of the virtual environment. And how would you recommend when a lot of students are waking up and doing work in the same space and are constantly jumping between Zoom meetings or have asynchronous classes they have to fit in? um, How would you recommend people balance their time and their productivity and also their enjoyment in life? So this is something, you know, that I've been thinking a lot about. We don't have all those day-to-day cues that allow time to move in a different way, right? So getting up and leaving the classroom to go to your next class, that is a cue for you in time of going into a next thing. You know, meeting a friend and going for lunch at Woo or, you know, grabbing coffee at 20s. You know, there's lots of those cues that now aren't part of our lives that help us to know how time is passing. I've heard a lot of students will say, you know, I'll I'll be sitting there and next minute realize I'm just exhausted and I've been sitting for five hours and our bodies aren't made to do that. But one thing that I have worked with a lot of students on is thinking about micro environment within the space that you are in. What options do you have to make those sort of experiences that you would have in a normal class experience and day at seeing the sunshine, hearing the wind go through the trees, you know, seeing a friend, because everything has to be very intentional right now. Thinking about how to get balance really ties in with intentionality. You have to build what we call metacognitive awareness, awareness of how you learn and process. Um, That's something that's important. and, And there are tools that can help you do that from, you know, setting a reminder that pops up and says, just get up and walk around the room five times. Or it's being a little more creative with how you work. If your entire environment of learning is literally right in front of you and you are being very passive, you're not getting the movement that you're used to, your brain is going to start looking for distractions. And students also feel like they can multitask. We had a student who called us while he was in class and wanted to have a learning consultation. And yeah, no. But that says something about Zoom fatigue and just, this, I'm not processing this, processing this right now. So right now, all I am is attending. I'm not listening. I'm not caring. I'll figure it out later because that may depend on how you're going to be assessed on what you're learning. If you all you have to do is attend a lecture and then write a paper, there's no real impetus for you to want to actually sit and engage if that's not the way that you like learning. Some people do. This is a great environment for some learners, but for the majority, not so much. But Thinking about what tasks can I do in what environments? So if you're at home, you have your room, and that might be the space that you use for stuff that when I really have to concentrate, this is my space. But maybe I can go and do some of my math homework sitting at the kitchen counter and having people in my environment because it's easy enough to to get distracted from a problem, to get re-engaged. But you can't really do that when you're trying to read. So thinking about what spaces are conducive for what kinds of tasks. So that's one thing. And the other thing is is really building in movement. I call it spatial processing. So a really good tool is getting a whiteboard, stick them on walls and use that to kind of have a blank space to go and say, okay, so I just read this. Let me get up from my chair, go to this white space and process that. 
right? You can take a picture of that with your phone and that could be a flashcard that you've just made. You can use the whiteboard for whatever you wanted to do. You can use different color pens, but using movement in how you process allows your brain to be focused when your body is creating the distraction that your brain's craving. Those are just some examples of things that have really helped students no matter where they are. I mean, I did that with a student who was working on a thesis and we sort of talked about her using that whiteboard as her planning space, right? To, all right, so let me see if I can just visualize this thesis that I want to write. And the great thing is it doesn't have to be neat because it really is just processing space. So that's something that definitely works really well. Those are a bunch of awesome strategies, and I'm hopeful that our listeners can find at least one or two of those that will work for them. And of course, to reach out to the ARC if they feel like talking to a learning consultant might help. I think it was very interesting. You focused on processing a lot because it's really easy to see that the class has ended and get up and stop thinking about it and do something else or do homework for another class or something like that and not factor in that processing time. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the actual learning comes into place. And again, you know, part of the, the whole online learning thing right now is, is having an accountability partner can also be helpful. Just having somewhere and someone to check in with and kind of just talk through, this is what's on my plate this week. Here are the things that I'm finding challenging this week. That's another thing that students can either do with each other or with one of us or with somebody else. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your advice. And hopefully we'll get some more people over to the ARC. Yay! Always welcome. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Sydney. Today I'll be talking with Sophie Wu about how she navigated remote learning during her first semester of college. Sophie was my mentee for Duke's new Blue Devils Buddy program this year. Hi everyone, welcome back to This Engineering Life. Today I am here with my Blue Devil buddy, Sophie. Um, she's going to be talking to us a little bit about virtual learning this semester and how she experienced her first semester at Duke as a freshman. So Sophie, if you want to introduce yourself, that would be great. Hi everyone, I'm Sophie. So I'm a freshman in the class of 2024. Um, currently I'm hoping to study biomedical engineering on the pre-health track. And I guess one fun fact about me, though it's not really a fun fact, is that I hate chocolate. <laughs> no, I love chocolate. Um, welcome, Sophie. So the first question I have for you um, is, what are your thoughts on classes and learning um, being virtual during the fall semester? And do you think anything is going to change for the spring semester? I definitely think with virtual classes, it was a lot harder for perhaps everyone to get motivated. It's very hard for people to um, kind of pay attention in class because they have the privilege of being able to turn off the camera and kind of like do other things while they're in class. I was fortunate enough in the first semester to have half my classes be in person, but especially with the second semester, as more classes are going to be STEM-based, lots of them are online. And I think with that, um, it's just making sure that you're able to find a way to keep classes interesting and perhaps not staying in your dorm room to do classes all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think more often at the end of the semester, lots of students were thinking about doing classes outside or even in different study spaces on West. And especially as a freshman, when you're only on East all the time, it can get kind of boring and stifling. So 
Yeah, that's great. I definitely want to try that. Um, I think I did a lot of classes in my room this semester, and it just, there was like no difference between sleeping, waking up, and doing class or like taking a test, you know? Okay, so what would you say is the biggest difference between high school and college learning? Obviously, the biggest difference, I think, between high school and college is that the amount of time you're in class is very different. Um, Like even in high school, for example, if you're taking like me who took seven classes in high school, now you're only taking four. And it seems like it would be like perhaps a lot easier, but um, just the pacing of the class is a lot quicker, um, especially last semester since it was a shortened semester as well. Since you're taking what was originally a full year class in high school and only half a semester at Duke, it can get quite challenging. And then there's a lot more work that happens outside it adds up a lot of time outside of class. Yeah, I definitely feel that. With that being said, um, what is the best advice you've received on how to study or how to learn? Um, One thing that actually I think you told me is that (laughs) what's really good is like plan out your day and then maybe once a week, pick a day where you're just going to like focus and sit down and do all of your work. That way you have perhaps the rest of the week, you can spread out your work a little bit more. Um, I think it's like very easy, especially in your first semester, to kind of go too hard in academics. Um, I'm mm-hmm. even guilty of this myself. Maybe I could have spent a little bit more time with meeting more people. And even if with COVID-19, it was a little bit more difficult, it's really easy for you to just kind of like shut yourself inside your room and then not focus on meeting other people. So I guess like just taking that one day to even if you are going to miss something, those you have those other six days to kind of allot your time as necessary. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think also this semester, since like the indoor dinings were closed, it was definitely Mm -hmm. more difficult to even just meet people for dinner. Like sometimes that's my for for fun time, you know, it's like, oh, let's just meet for dinner because I've been working Mm -hmm. all day. But I think it's also showed us like the importance of setting time aside to, you know, be with people because school isn't just about academics. There's also a social aspect as well. Have you used any learning resources at Duke so far? I haven't formally used any learning resources, but I would say the one that I use the most is probably office hours. I think especially since they're virtual, it's very easy for people to kind of like neglect it and be like, oh, it's not necessary. <laughs> um, but just even going into like kind of listen to what other people have to say, sometimes you realize those like gaps you're missing. And it's kind of a very good way to like not exactly relax, but like kind of study when in like more low key way instead of having to do like problems all the time or like try to memorize concepts from a textbook. Yeah, I totally agree. Office hours, I was there so often <laughs> for some of my classes. Like, I became good friends with the um, mm-hmm. TAs. Did you find yourself making any friends through office hours? I think in general, I didn't end up making any friends through my virtual classes or virtual office hours. It just tended to be that maybe if I met somebody over virtual learning, I would meet up with them in person or like grab dinner with them. And then that's Mm -hmm. how we kind of became friends. It wasn't something that like completely came from a virtual setting. (laughs) Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, But I'm glad you were still able to make friends through the semester. So, so far, what has gone really well or not so well with all the studying and learning at Duke? Um, With the transition between high school and college, I think 
lots of people emphasize like finding your own study style. And I think that was definitely something I struggled with in um, my transition, just because when you're in high school, we're all like that top 5% of our respective high schools. Mm -hmm. Most of us probably didn't need to study that hard um, to reach that high grade or even to do well on those AP tests or IB tests. Going into college, since everything is graded on the curve and now you're with the top students of each respective high school all together in one place, even um, and just like the learning style in college is definitely going to be a lot different. I personally had to um, adjust a lot with how I was learning. I found that, at least for me, I needed to take notes more often and like do more active learning than passive learning. Finding that um, balance of how you like to learn is definitely very important. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. I remember even honestly this year as a sophomore, I'm still trying to figure out how I learn best um, because I think that this year I made more friends in Pratt, which was really helpful for my classes yeah. just because, um, you know, we could do homework together, study together, mm -hmm. etc. Um, but I think even though that was so helpful, you know, sometimes people have different sleep schedules as well. So yeah. like, you know, I don't like I don't want to be staying up until like three in the morning, you know, studying sometimes. But like other people, like if that's how they work and like you want to work with them, I think that's also mm -hmm. something to think about. Um, so now my final question for you <laughs> is you seem like you're very self-aware about, you know, the transition and difficulties of it, but also the positive aspects of it. Mm -hmm. What tips do you have for students who maybe took this semester off and are going to start learning virtually next semester or for students who were in school this past semester and are going to continue um, learning virtually? Well, I guess, like, first of all, one really broad tip I have, at least for anyone in general, is that I started journaling this semester. Like, for the longest time, I didn't even think I would do it because it seemed like just a lot of work to, like, write a journal <laughs> every day. But I think it did help me reflect on the semester as things went along. Like that way I could look back and see how maybe my mental state had changed from the beginning of the semester, see what was working, what wasn't. And it's not really related specifically to the virtual environment, but it does allow you to think about how you're dividing your time. Like, oh, I've realized that maybe I've been spending less time with my friends. I've been kind of focused and like, um, going down that wormhole of like just like focusing on studying so maybe it's time to like readjust my like priorities and maybe spend more time with my friends but I guess in a virtual learning environment I think it's just important to rely on your um, classmates um, because they're going through the exact same thing as you and as long as you like study with other people I think you can make the best of the situation. Yeah that's really great advice I think that I am definitely guilty of forgetting to, <laughs> not forgetting, but like mm -hmm. not putting as much time as I could towards my mental health. Um, I mm -hmm. actually also started journaling last year, but it was actually, I was in Thrive last year, mm -hmm. which, but basically it was a class on mental health for Pratt students to take first year students during their freshman fall semester. And there was no homework at all, except to keep a gratitude journal. But then I ended up keeping it and I still do it to this day. And even just taking 30 seconds to write three things down you're thankful for, mm -hmm. I agree, just can completely change your mindset and show that, okay, you know what, this happened and it was pretty bad today, but this mm -hmm. also happened um, and you can look at the glass half full. But um, thanks again, Sophie. 
Hey everybody, my name is Fran Romano. I am here with Brooke Watson, who is a senior BME at Duke, also pursuing a comp sci minor. Hey Brooke, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, today we're, we're gonna be doing a little bit of a, a dive into learning and getting your perspective as a senior on learning. So I'll just start off and ask you if you could just define learning for us. I think learning is taking concepts that you haven't um, ever heard before, or even if you have a small grasp of it and uh, kind of taking it on a deeper level. So being able to take in content and extrapolate from that and apply it to problems that you can solve and also to problems that you may not have seen before, but taking foundations of what you've learned into um, those types of issues. Cool. So I'm curious on your approach to learning, and I know everyone has a different approach, but I'm more like on a more specific level, I'm curious if you have a different approach to learning textbook material in class to learning something outside of class, like, you know, how to juggle or something like that. Yeah, so I think BME has been a really interesting experience in terms of uh, the fact you've taken a lot of textbook knowledge and, and understand a lot of concepts in terms of science, biology, and math, and then be able to apply it to issues that you haven't seen before. And that's kind of how I spoke about before. Um, so my approach to learning in the classroom is a lot about taking skills and seeing how they can intersect into different parts of my classes. And I've tried to take that approach into my actual life in terms of learning how doing, to do things like cook or use a Rubik's Cube or just uh, other activities like that is trying to take some basic ideas and foundations that I learned from other people and applying it um, on a hands-on or a very visual approach. I've noticed that I don't learn too effectively if I just take in knowledge. I have to regurgitate it into another form, oftentimes to know if I've learned something or not. And uh, specifically in engineering, you do a lot of regurgitation in terms of taking uh, pretty difficult midterms that you haven't seen questions of, or also in cooking, trying to learn how to make a new recipe based off of things you've done before. So kind of that cyclical uh, idea of just taking knowledge and, and throwing it back out in different ways. It sounds like you've done a bit of cooking lately. <laughs> I have actually. I have a new Instagram for it. <laughs> really? Would you like to plug your Instagram for your cooking? Oh, sure. It's no BS cooking. Awesome. And and thinking about learning, I was also thinking if there's an upper limit to how much you can learn, like is there only so much space for recipes in your head? Or do you think there's just like infinite amount of learning? For being me, I have learned that is absolutely not true. Um, I think you spend in just my education, like the first three years learning the basics. And by the time that you're a senior, you're just kind of taking off into what engineering actually is, which is in inventing, designing, and creating. Um, and there are so many spaces you can go into. So you can spend your entire life studying one specific thing in, in the biotech or biomedical field and completely learn new things about it over time, especially since it's such an evolving and new uh, field. So I don't think there's a cap. Also in cooking, I don't think there's a cap. I think I have a lot of learning to do and I have a lot of new recipes to learn how to make. That's exciting. So now I want to know why you chose to do BME. I spent a lot of time figuring that out throughout my time at Duke because it was one of the majors that you kind of have to start off 
really early on in your academic career to be able to finish it on time. So I went into college thinking I was interested in medicine, but I also loved math and I loved creating and building things. But I wanted to try to figure out a way to fuse life science with that hard development of products. And I thought engineering and BME would be the best opportunity for me to do so. Um, also, I was really interested in just my own personal growth. And I think that if you're given really difficult problems, you're just a more rigorous and active thinker in general. Um, so I wanted to take on the difficulties and the, I guess, the hardships of BME and try to become just a better learner and a better overall thinker. Uh, that was my goal from undergrad. So do you have plans post undergrad to do more BME things? Eventually, I want to go back to school right now. I'm, I'm uh, taking a step away from education to work in industry a little bit. Um, but I eventually want to go back and, and see how I can become stronger in that field and, and maybe turn more of a business perspective onto uh, biomedical engineering. Nice. Have you had the chance to learn any business things at Duke? I would say indirectly, yes. In terms of what I've learned from business so far, is you have to be really good at working in teams and collaborating and, and being able to make compromises. And a number of my BME classes have really offered me that. Um, for example, I spent, I probably had three classes where you spend the entire semester with just a one group of people uh, working really diligently and, and hard on a project or a problem that's quite difficult. And I think that translates well to business in terms of solving issues that you may not even know have arisen yet. Cool. So. In thinking of cooking, I think of videos and YouTube videos of cooking. And I've always been a big advocate that YouTube isn't just for cat videos. Like you can learn <laughs> so much on YouTube. So I'm curious is the like where you learned your cooking. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that YouTube has so many opportunities to learn cool things. And I'm a very visual learner. So I have to watch someone do something before I can do it myself. And so having someone actually make things and, and see what they do wrong has been so helpful in my growth in cooking. Um, I've learned also school and in life. I don't do well by just reading or listening to someone speaking to me. It's really about seeing something with my own eyes. I'm in the same boat. I can't start <laughs> studying until I watch a YouTube video about the subject. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, those are the things I was curious about. I appreciate your perspective and thank you for coming on the show. Do you have awesome. anything else you want to say to uh, our podcast audience? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And I, I think that's one of my favorite things about school is the opportunity to learn all of these new crazy things. Um, also, if you are interested in, in challenging yourself in terms of academics, I highly recommend BME because you will really see <laughs> the depths of learning. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah, uh, good luck with the rest of your senior year. Thank you. This Engineering Life is brought to you by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editor is Priya Juarez. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we chat with the Duke community about taking risks. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Fran. I'm Sydney. 
And I'm Grant, and this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.